Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to talk about why are so many of us having weird pandemic dreams? Like, seriously, why are so many of us having these weird dreams that are attributable to the pandemic because we've never had them before? All kinds of weird scenarios, all kinds of weird things are happening in our dreams that maybe we never even thought about before. Maybe we never, you know, you and I probably never imagined a day in time in which we would ever find ourselves talking about these kinds of dreams. I mean, I myself have had these dreams that make me wake up in the morning. I think yesterday I woke up with a headache because I just kept having the weirdest nightmares over and over and over. Lord have mercy. So why are so many of us having these weird dreams? We're going to talk about that for a minute. But I wanted to ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? How do you feel about the pandemic and how are you feeling about states reopening here in Michigan for instance our governor was firm on her emergency stay-at-home order but due to pressure from the Republicans it's not the people because most people want her want to stay at home now that we have seen how people are dying from it but she caved into political pressure from the Republicans and of course maybe some of her big business supporters who want money. So they want people to go back to work into environments that are not safe. And it is a funny thing because we're gradually reopening the states like they've reopened, like I can go to Home Depot now and buy gardening products. So I hope Home Depot is going to implement social distancing because some of us don't know what social distancing is. She has reopened golfing. So people are on, on the golf course saying, I'm practicing social distancing. I'm six feet away, 10 feet away. Sure. Okay. You're not going into the clubhouse, mm-hmm. but you're going to the bathroom though. That's a common area. Okay. And I thought the goal was to prevent people from congregating, period, to minimize contact as much as possible. I thought that was the goal, uh, uh, the goal rather. Uh, Kroger supermarkets has something called Q-Vision, Q-Tech Vision, uh, uh, Q-Tech, uh, Q-Tech Vision uh, technology that they say they use to determine if there are too many people in their stores, then they will close the door and set the security guard there who won't allow anyone else in until people have gone out. I think that that is responsible, don't you think? I think that's very responsible. I've been to Home Depot and had to stand outside and wait. I've been to the grocery store. Believe me, going to Home Depot was a necessity because all kinds of things arise. You still have pipes in your house that flush, right? You still have those kinds of things. So those kinds of things are going to happen nonetheless, and you can't find a plumber because you don't want them in your house either because you don't know what anybody has, right? So you kind of have to do it yourself. Right, and you, it's uh, it's spring, so you can't call the the uh, the pest control people who normally come around at this time of the year because it's, you know everything has melted here in Michigan now. You can't call anybody to come because you don't know what people have, and I suspect that that's not going to happen. So I'm going to have to do a lot of that stuff myself because I don't want to come in contact with too many people. So now that the governor of Michigan has ca- uh, has caved in. She literally has caved into political pressure. She's now talking about reopening the state and, and, and talking about it being a re-engagement plan. And I'm looking at her like, girl, I thought you had more backbone than that. Like, you really seriously gave into pressure. So what if they want to take it to court? They can't overturn you. They're citing a 1945 law in which the governor can cause emergency powers. They want to overturn that and place uh, barriers and restrictions on what the governor can. I don't think that that's going to pass with the people because even the governor herself is saying, I don't want to do that to future governors. 
because everybody should have the power to feel that whatever they need to do, they can do it without going to an argumentative legislature who really are just some boys. Let's just face it, if she were a man, if a, if she were a man, she wouldn't be having this problem. But it's just a group of men who, as usual, want to dumb down a woman and make her cave in and make her feel like, if you don't do this, I'm not going to support you. And I run for four years and the people will vote me in. But that's me. I'm not her. Right? I'm not walking in her shoes. I don't know what it's like to have to live with democratization, right? And have to make uh, cogitation and make uh, di- diplomatic calls across the board. I don't know what that is like. I kind of just call it like I say it. Okay, so you don't want to support me? Fine. Bye. Thanks for your time with me. Goodbye. And God bless you. I'm moving on. But do you see what it means? So now she's taken into pressure and is about to throw us right smack back to where we were before. The death rate in Detroit has depleted significantly because they're getting better at treating people. So if you're sick and you're going to the hospital, they're getting better at treating you. But the rate of infection is still high. We're now at 38,000 infections. If one person infects 40 persons, then what does that tell you? If one person infects 40 persons, then it's 38,000 times 40. That's how many people are seriously infected. And she still wants, she caved into political pressure. So have a long constitutional drawn off foolishness. Who cares? Like, what are they going to do? They're just a group. And when you look at the people who are bringing this action forward, look, y'all, they're not even from Southeast Michigan. They're from way out in the boondocks up there somewhere. They're just bored. They got into political office so they could escape the boredom they lived in. They don't have any action going on in Charlotte, wherever that is, in upstate Michigan. I'm serious. They don't have anything going on. They're really just looking to come down to Lansing where they get all the action they want, all the extramarital affairs, whether they have sex with boys, girls, or whomever. They can go to the pub and drink and socialize. That's really what? They're just bored. They're just plain old board and they're tired of being at home with their wives. So just call that girl down there and just let her get her act together. How dare her tell me what to do? After all, I'm the man. And, and she's just sitting there caving into it. If they were me, it would be like, get yourselves out of here. You ain't going to tell me what to do. The people voted me, not you. You didn't vote for me. Sit yourselves down until we're done with it. But then that's me. That's how she chooses. We thought she was with it and had it going on. But now she's going to throw us all back into the middle of it. So here is the message to everybody. It is not safe to go out. All the models, all the projected models are saying it's not safe to go out there today. It's not safe to go out there until June. Are you listening to me? As a matter of fact, in the state of Georgia, one of the models predicts that it's not safe for people to go out until June 28th. So going out early is going to set us back. So what's going to happen is we're going to go back into more infections, more deaths, and it's just going to keep going until we find ourselves in the fall and we can't open anything. Schools can't open and nothing can open and our whole way of life is disrupted. Why? Because a group of angry people who have nothing better to do, they've never been disenfranchised in their lives. They don't know what it means to be without who just really just want their own way. That's all that it is. They just want to see themselves at the forefront of something, want to determine what happens for the rest of us. Sir, you're not going to do that for me. So take yourselves back to whatever places in cornfields in Michigan you come from or whatever woods and sit yourselves up there. You don't want to deal with the stuff we're dealing with down here. Because first of all, you don't have the medical infrastructure. That's another thing these people don't take into consideration. In the rural parts of the country, you don't have the medical infrastructure to handle large-scale virus infections. I don't know what you're all fighting for. I don't know why you're in such a rush. You should be the one saying, you know something, keep that stuff until you guys fix it. Instead, you want to rush right into it and want to go back to life as normal. I want to ask you all, I wish I could get in front of all these Republican legislators from upstate Michigan, I wish I could get in front of them. And I want to ask them this question. What's your problem? Boys, what's your problem?
do you want? You want a drink? Go drink at home. Get your buddies together and have a drink on your front porch. You want to play golf? Go take some balls on your lawn and knock some nines. That's what you want to do. But you don't want to deal with this stuff that we are dealing with here because you can't handle it. Your systems can't handle it. You don't have the roads. You don't have the infrastructure here in Southeast Michigan. They could map out how people could be transported by roads because we have the highway system. They don't have that up there in rural Michigan. Well, you're driving around uh, ravines and stuff on two-way roads where it's one way up and one way back. What the heck? Even some parts of Lansing, for crying out loud, when you start going on some parts of Lansing, you, this is you kind of like, and this is the state capital? And believe me, I love my state and I love Lansing. I love my state. Michigan is very diverse in terms of geography. And as diverse as it is geographically, it is as diverse politically, racially, and ethnically. And we are not together. We're not on the same page. So I feel like the governor needs to get back to her hardline self and lay the law down whether the boys like it or not and tell them, boys, knock it off. What's your problem? You don't live like President Trump. President Trump is in a bubble. You can't get near to him. He has a series of doctors and scientists all around him. He can say whatever he wants to say. He's not out here in the trenches. You cannot get to him. He has a bubble around him. So what are you trying to do? You have to look at where you are. Because I tell you right now, some of you folks up in northern Michigan who are planning to come down here on the 30th to March, I just want to ask you this question. You all have underlying health conditions anyway because you all smoke your tobacco. Let's be clear. So once you smoke, you have opened your lungs up to this virus. That's number one. Number two, you drink like a fish. Did you know that drinking and this virus don't go together? So you're all going to be wasted anyway. Why are you putting yourselves in a position to infect yourself and then go back and take it to your vulnerable populations where you neither have the roads, the infrastructure, nor the medical infrastructure to deal with a large-scale health crisis? such as we're dealing with here in Southeast Michigan. One hospital system has eight hospitals. That's Beaumont, right? Then there's Henry Ford Hospital. Then there's DMC. Together, we have more than 40 hospitals in the metro Detroit area. I kid you not. And we still had to think about using a large uh, commercial venue in the event that we get infected. And I'm going to say to the mayor, don't shut that plan down. Because it's going to happen because we're all, they're pushing us to go back to work. They're pushing us to get us back so the people will get sick. As for me and my house, we ain't going to get sick, period, because this is ridiculous. And the governor should have stayed her course, and this is where she's going to lose wide-scale support. The support she enjoyed, she's going to lose it by the people who matter, the people who actually vote, because the people upstate Michigan ain't voting for her, right, because they're voting red state anyway. So she should have looked at, well, where does my support come from? I am just saying, and I know they listen to my podcast. I know they listen. So they listen to everything. So Governor Gretchen, you kind of dropped the ball here, darling. You need to get back on the on the horse and tell the boys, knock it off. And you boys up in the upstate Michigan, knock it off. Go sit down and wait for this to pass over. You don't want this to pass over you? Okay, if you don't want it to pass over, you come down here and deal with it. Because now we're developing some immunity to it because we're interacting with it. We don't have a choice. I have to go to the grocery store. I need some potted plants for my porch. It's spring. Anybody going to help me? Luckily, they reopened so the landscapers could come and do it. I am so happy because now my lawn is going to get cut. I have a lot of lawn to cut. Right? So my lawn is going to get cut. So that's going to reduce, uh, you know, the, the grass being too high and, and all kinds of stuff that happens, mosquitoes and all that. Right? This is Michigan, after all. We're bug city, y'all. Total bug city. Just like Florida, the same thing here when it gets warm. Okay? So we need to really look at a concerted effort 
to keep our population. I know that it doesn't matter. I know it's very difficult for some of you who are in, in political leadership to think of others if they don't look like you. I know how that can be. I see what your thinking is. I don't agree with it, but I see how you get mired into just thinking about the people who look like you and if it's not affecting them. Not yet. You've got to be kidding me. You thought this virus did not start in New York City. It started in New Rochelle, a suburb of New York City. Then it went widespread throughout the city. I don't understand what we're not seeing about this. Or you just think it's happening in New York because they're liberals. You think this is a liberal thing? Well, we have a Republican president in the White House, and it still happens. So this ain't a liberal thing. (laughs) This is something that China developed. So instead of making the governor and, and the people and the scientists and the people who are disagreeing with your uh, economic position, the, the enemy, our common enemy is the virus that started in China. That's where we need to focus on. We need to come together and say, well, we, it's about time we start sanctioning China. That's what we need to do. That's our common enemy. Our common enemy is not ourselves. It's not the people on the front line trying to fight it. It's not the people who are in leadership who are trying to figure this out because none of us have walked this way before. Our common enemy is the virus. The virus was developed in a lab in China, and China spread it to the rest of the world because we had trade tariffs on China that was limiting what they wanted to do, and China doesn't believe they should be limited. Mind you, most of the population in China don't even have a car. Mind you, most of the population in China is way out yonder somewhere where they still have to ride on horseback to, to, to deliver health care. Meanwhile, Europe and America are like, uh, we can land a helicopter near there and, and, and a car can meet you there. That's the enemy, China, who sees themselves that they should run the world. They want to take over the world. They want to take over Africa. They want to take over Europe. They want to, since they can't do this, they're going to undermine us and undermine our infrastructure and our economic activity. That's our common enemy. Not the governor of the state of Michigan, not the governor of California, not the governor, not the governors, not the governors, not the scientists, not Dr. Fauci, not Dr. Berg, not none of the scientists, not the doctors, not the nurses on the front line. DMC, go rehire that woman. You should pay her at least $2 million. That was wicked. She's going to make a book and a movie about you all and be rich forever. That was a stupid move. Right? These are not the enemies. We are not our enemies. China is. Focus on that and fix that. China is the enemy. For years, we sat by and made our electronics susceptible to Chinese interference. Everything we use is made in China, and you think they can't listen to us. That's the enemy. The enemy is corporate greed. The enemy is corporate greed who run the stock market. You and I have nothing to do with the stock market. So if it crashes, don't bother me one bit. I don't have nothing on it. A couple of stocks I have, oh, it's not going to rock the world. Because everybody has an ego and wants to be a billionaire. I, 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 I could do not. I saw something the other day where Kanye West calls himself a billionaire. And I'm like, this is the same dude who last year had to get a $68 million tax refund to get him out of debt. And in one year, he became a billionaire. I'm like, Forbes, uh, the credibility of Forbes magazine is now gone. If you can put on your front cover that Kanye West is a billionaire, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> right? Our common enemy is China right now. And that's where we need to focus on. Our common enemy are not our people whom you're sending back into the front lines. We need the people to make the country strong and to rebuild the country. Are you list, Are you seriously listening? You ever watch, you ever studied the world wars? You ever notice that when things come back to normal, it's the people? You need the people to be, to be healthy, to rebuild the country. I don't know which models you're looking at. You don't need the people to die because you don't want them to be able to vote in an election. You're still not gonna win the election. If it is to be, it will be. <laughs> you need the people to rebuild the country. 
Because when the election is over, we're all going to sit down and want to sing old glory and have barbecues and stuff, Memorial Day, and Fourth of July and Labor Day. I, I, I don't even want to think about that. I, I, you know, this is just crazy. Okay? We need the people. And these are the things that are contributing to why so many of us are having dreams. We're having the weirdest dreams. People are dreaming about using their hands a lot. People are dreaming that they were trying to help someone and they can't help someone. I have the weirdest dreams. I dreamt one night that we were taken over by Russia. Kid you not, that we all had to go speak Russian. And and most of us, we, we can't speak Russian. So you can just imagine. They lined us all up and put us in a concentration camp. This was a dream. Then a couple nights ago, I dreamt that we all, imagine all of us in the United States had to go to France. You know, France can't hold us. We would trample over there. I kid you not. It's the weirdest thing. I'm just glad that Putin has his own mess dealing with right now because there are people in, in, uh, in Russia who are sick. And he's caught up in that. You know how quiet he is? That means he's really feeling it right now. Because, you know, in Russia, they don't treat their people well. So their people live in hovels and live in apartment buildings without heat. I kid you not. They don't believe in having heated spaces. So outside of St. Petersburg Square, the rest of the country is like one giant rural area. Isn't it amazing that these are the people who want to take over the whole world? They have no civilization to think of. They're despotic and dictatorial and want to take over the world, and they don't have a lick of thing for their own people to deal with. Thank God for the United States. That's why we're all having dreams. We're worried about our national security. We're worried that if they can let loose a virus that can come here and make us all sick, what else can they do? We're worried. That's what's causing all these weird dreams. We're worried that we're not as safe as we thought we were. We're worried if the stock markets will get back. What will happen to all my stock in my pension fund? What will happen to my 401k? What if I have to retire in a year or two? What's going to happen? We're all worried. We're worried about the economic forecast. We're worried about if you're farmers, did you read that farmers are losing millions? They're about to get rid of all the meat. And all the livestock that they have because they have no markets to send it. They've been dumping milk forever. We're worried about that. We're worried about the state of our economy. We're worried about our political future because if, the, if it weren't an election year, we probably would just, you know, be okay. But it's an election year. And they're fighting about votes instead of fighting about healing the sick, taking care of the bereaved. I still am waiting for the president to one day say something that will ease and comfort the people who are hurting. He seems to be oblivious to the fact that so many people have died. He's oblivious. 10,000 people voted for him in Detroit, and we have lost more than 1,000 people in Detroit due to the coronavirus. And the president has not one day said, I love you and I'm with you. Let me come over there and see what can be done. Let me send some resources. Nothing, nothing. But he's in front of the cameras every day talking about himself. These are the things that are making us ponder. We're looking, every day you get up, you look at your leaders and you're like, you're even worried for the president. Because you're like, then what happens if he's not around? Who's going to take over Pence? Then what happens if something happens to Pence? Then you look at Nancy Pelosi, she's 80. Pence is in his late 60s, the president is in his 70s, and all of a sudden we are like, whoa, 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 whoa. According to the Constitution, those are the three people. Nothing can happen to those three people. Those people need to live in an artificial bubble, like a plastic thing where only them breathe in and nobody comes near them. We're worried about stuff like that. We're worried about when we heard that a, a, a Navy destroyer based in Guam where everybody on it got sick. We're worried about the firing of a Navy captain without reason. You don't interfere with the military. Why would you want to do that? Those people give their lives in service. They don't do anything. Leave them alone. We're worried about stuff like that. We're worried about will we have enough food because now it's not that we don't have the food 
our food supply, or we've been talking about this for a month, more than a month now, that our food supply, our chain, is getting break, is, is breaking. We're worried about that. So you go to bed at night, and you want to sleep? Sure. You're worried about what's happening to all these people who are dying and they can't bury them. Do we have stuff like that? You know, do we have enough space to bury them? And we're all tapping into the collective grief of people who have died and who can't get anything done. We're tapping into it. They can't bury there, so there's no proper disposition to allow for closure. We can't observe mourning rites. Hallelujah. Isn't that something to ponder about? We're looking at things and we're looking at the way we work now and then we're like some sort of resentment. Like I could have worked like this all this time. I didn't have to get up and go into work every day. I could have worked from home two or three days a week. It would have saved my previous marriage. My children wouldn't have grown up and hated me so much. We're looking at health care and we're like, Dan, you mean to tell me a pandemic came in and we couldn't even sustain that? So these are the things that are contributing to our dreams. Right? Uh, and it's not just here. It's, it's around the world. We're all separated in lockdown. But we're all having these bizarre dreams. And despite the fact that, you know, we're all getting together by Zoom to work, right? And we're doing Skyping and so on. The fact of the matter is we're still not as connected as we like to be. And we didn't realize how much we liked the human face-to-face interaction. Is that happening to you where when you go to the grocery store, you're just so glad to have a conversation with another human being whom you're not related to? Say amen, somebody. (laughs) I know that happens to me. I pick up the phone and call people just to talk to someone else. <laughs> right? <laughs> I turned the TV on. And sometimes nowadays when the, when I turn the TV on, right? And I'm watching TV and I see ads and I'm like, "Huh. Was that another time? <laughs> did we live like that? Is it really did we really just walk down the street? Did we just go to festivals?" Did we just go shopping? Did we just go out to eat? I kid you not. Did we just get on a plane and go somewhere because we felt like it? And it was time to vacation or whatever. I kid you not. I'm watching movies and I'm like, this, is, this used to be a way of life. Because we're worried that the way of life that we enjoyed before is perhaps not going to happen the way it was. Uh, I was reading something yesterday in the Detroit Free Press that um, uh, freepress.com, if you if you have if you so care to, and they were giving a discourse on possible timelines for reopening, and they spoke with three major public university presidents in the state. Of course, Michigan State goes Spartan, and uh, University of Michigan uh, and Wayne State University go Warriors. You can tell which of the three I like. So these are three major public universities in the state. Of course, there's Western, Eastern, Central, uh, 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 and a, a plethora of others. But the three major ones are Michigan State, Michigan, University of Michigan, and Wayne State. And the three presidents have a background in, in medicine, right? So that enables them to to make projections really quickly. Of the three, two of them have said, have posited that it's unlikely that fall face-to-face instruction will resume on their campuses. The Michigan president said he didn't say it was going to happen. He just said he remains optimistic that campuses will return to normal. He remains optimistic. But the president of Michigan State and Wayne State University said, not likely. Not likely that we are going to return to -to face-to-face instruction. I was like, 
holy cow. And this is a running theme that I've been seeing throughout the country where universities are preparing themselves for online instruction. Now, they used to have classroom instruction, which is a different thing. Online instruction is where all the classes go to online in an online state and you click, 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 watch a show, watch a thing or whatever. Right? It's been a while for me. Yeah. You can tell, right? So when you when you look at that, you have to say to yourself, what are they, what do they know that we don't know? And it makes it, these three of them sit on the Economic Recovery Council with a governor. So you have to look at yourself and say, so what is the governor, why is the governor of Michigan caving to political pressure? Why? Why is she caving to political pressure from people who live in northern Michigan who have nothing to do with southeast Michigan, who don't live down here, who don't socialize here, they don't even come down here. They're confined to mid-Michigan, which is where the, cap- the state capital is. So why should they influence what happens in Southeast Michigan for the majority of people? And we're all just sitting back and watching how this plays out. Because I'm wondering at what point you're all going to say, if you all can, you all want to go play golf and stuff, go, on, go ahead. We play golf down here too. We have a lot of golf courses and golf clubs and athletic clubs down here. We play golf down here, too. You'll want to go do your thing. Go do it up there. But when your hospital systems start breaking, don't come down here, though, because we don't want any more reinfection, right? And you've got to ask yourself, if the, if, if the forecasting is suggesting that, then there is a problem. So you and I are watching all this stuff all day, and then you go to bed. How, in Dickens' name, are you not going to dream about it? You're going to dream fatalistic dreams that the world, it, you know, it's your mind saying, I think the world is going to end. I think our country is going to end. I think we have issues. And we're dreaming about it. And it doesn't help when we're not being comforted. I wish the president would become comforter in chief. Don't come and give us false suppositions. We we, we already know the truth. Just level with us and say, hey, y'all, look, this is what's going on. Here's where we are. Here's where I want us to get to. And here is a pathway to doing that. And you know what? We would all say, okay, yeah, well, all right. That's what the man says. Okay. We would all just say, okay. That's what we want. I still haven't heard them come forward and tell people who have lost loved ones. You know, people are dying. I, I was on my Facebook page yesterday, and I, sh- I had to shut it down. I, I went and, and started writing. I couldn't do, I couldn't do it anymore. So many people are losing their loved ones. So many women are losing their spouses. So many people are saying goodbye to their fathers. And it sits on you after a while. You, you, after a while, you start asking yourself, what did? So here's what we're all, we all need to do. Now that we know this is the groundwork, this is the environment that has created our, our dreams. This is the environment that is driving what happens in our dreams. We watch TV. We watch the briefings from uh, our governors, right, across the country. We watch the decisions that they make. And we realize that some people are not acting in our best interest. So we do feel a tad out of control. Like, I don't have any control over this. If I lived in Georgia, for instance, and the governor of the state of Georgia reopened the state, and said barbershops and blah, blah, blah could go back. And I worked in a barbershop or so on. I don't know what I would do. What does that mean for those people? Does that mean that they can uh, claim unemployment? You, you see where I'm coming from? So people are worried. Then we look at people haven't paid their mortgage in two months. Some people are hitting three months that they haven't paid. They've only paid one month's rent, and it's been uh, three months. The 1st of May is right around the corner how that rent is going to be paid. Some people haven't gotten their stimulus checks. We're going to do a follow-up show on it this week. Some people still never got it, and they're the people who desperately needed to go buy food. These are the things that we're thinking about, and it's driving the reasons why we are so, uh, we are, we are so, we're dreaming. Now, how can we alleviate this? Here's what I do. I know that I'm going to have dreams. So one of the things that I do to minimize my contact is I try not to read anything after 9 o'clock. I know I'm going to settle down, so I start 
watching. Can I just suggest, might I just suggest something? That at least twice a week you have movie night with your family. Just have movie night where you all get together. You either do popcorn or whatever it is that turns you on, whatever it is. And you sit down and you watch a movie together. We're all cooking more, but we realize we're stress cooking. We're all stress eating. So we're going to look vastly different when we come out of quarantine. I personally uh, plan to uh, come out of quarantine looking like I had plastic surgery. That's my goal. Whether or not that is achievable is something else. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But think about it. Right? So we're stress cooking. Keep doing it because it helps. We're stress baking. People are baking, baking, baking because we're stressed. Keep doing that. It's helping. It's helping us to cope because we're getting the effort out. You know what I mean? We're getting all the stress out. Stay more in touch with family and friends. Zoom people, FaceTime people, Skype people. Call them. If somebody comes across your mind, pick up the phone and call them. Somebody you went to college with 25 years ago, 30 years ago, pick up the phone and call them. Get on your Facebook page and look for people and video chat with people. Stay in touch with people whom you connect with around the world, right? Sunday night movies again, yeah. And we just, yeah, of course, my, one of my viewers is saying somebody, uh, one station has started Sunday night movies again. Imagine that. Find something to watch that you enjoy. Binge watch something during the day. And watch, monitor what you watch. Don't watch a lot of stuff with, you know, a lot of shooting and murder and stuff. Because it will sit collectively on your psyche. Find something that is appealing that you can sit back and watch and make brownies. Hello, chocolate, anyone? Make a chocolate cake, make chocolate brownies, drink hot chocolate, make it cold if you want to, but drink something that is soothing. These are ways to cope so that you don't, you go to bed relaxed. And here is the biggest thing I can tell you is pray. I've asked everyone to join me praying at 1030 at night. No, I'm not gonna be, I'm praying. So I'm not talking to you, but I'm praying. So at 10.30, wherever you are, whatever time 10.30 is for you, if it's Eastern Standard, Pacific Mountain, if you're on the other side of the world, let us pray at 10.30 p.m. Let us all get together and pray at 10.30 p.m. Whatever time, 10.30 p.m. for me on the East Coast, it's 7.30 on the West Coast. So when it gets to 10.30 p.m. on the West Coast, everybody on the West Coast should go to pray at 10.30. Let us all just set a time. It's 10.30 p.m. Whether you're on the East Coast, West Coast, Mid, mid Coast, wherever you are, when the clock strikes 10.30 p.m., let's pray. It will help. It helps you to feel that you're handing over control of everything else in your life to a trusted source. Because now we realize that we can't trust China because they're they're making viruses to make us sick. And we're really not sure what direction we're going in. So let me hand this over to God and let me pray about it. It's Ramadan and people can't make their journey to Mecca. It was Easter, and we couldn't go to St. Peter's Basilica either. We couldn't even go to our local church. Dang. That is telling us that those gatherings are not as important as we have made them be over the years. What is really important is what's going on in the way we think. Right? And since thinking is what is going to win this game, like every game, we're going to have to strategize what we think about prior to bedtime. So, If you are married or you have a spouse, you live with someone, start playing games before you go to bed. Start talking to one another. Get more hugs from one another. Tell each other nice things about each other. This is what I like about you. This is what I don't like about you. I really don't like the way you eat everything when I cook it before dinner is served. You might get a laugh out of that. Well, you kind of don't turn up the toilet seat, so that kind of is a problem for me. You don't do the laundry. You see what I'm saying? Talk to one another. Say nice things to one another. And make plans for getting out of this. Regardless of whatever, still plan for it. What that does is give you hope for the future. 
don't sit in the doom and gloom and focus on the fact that you can't bury your parents or you can't bury your loved ones. Don't, don't focus on that. Because if they could talk, they would tell us, get on with it. Get on with your life, no matter what. Get on with your life. Make plans for what's going to happen. Maybe this is a time for you and your spouse to sit back and think, you know what, maybe making so much mo- making money is not that important to us. Maybe you need to stay home with the kids. Maybe you. it's okay if you don't go back to work. It's okay if they tell you they're going to let you go. Let's just adjust our and manage our expectations so we stay, we stay cohesive. Because now you know what's important. A lot of people were going to get divorced before the pandemic. And then guess what? We found out that we need each, and each other economically in order to survive. So here we are trying to live with one another because you have to. This is why I can't stand you. Okay, well, what are you going to do now? Right? As the Republicans like to say, you need to be married in order to make it. And look at my eyes going up. <laughs> like, seriously? That's the answer? What if you're married to someone who beats you up? What if you're married to someone who kicks you down the stairs? You still think that I should be married? It's not always ideal. Let's just be clear. What if I'm married to someone who is a pedophile and has sex with my children at night when I go to bed? I still should be married? Marriage is an ideal. And when it works, it works beautifully. But when it doesn't work, don't penalize people for when it doesn't work. It's not perfect. Okay? You all aren't living perfect lives anyway. But do you see what I mean? There are some things you all we can't control. Like you're worried about your job. Can I ask you something? If you worry about it anymore, is that going to change it? Will it change? No. If you worry and stay up all night about your job, tomorrow morning when you wake up, is that going to change it? Not at all. If you worry about your marriage, when you wake up tomorrow, is that going to make it better? No. You know what will happen? Your blood pressure will go up. And you will get sick. And then you realize that you need you healthily in order to stay in the game. So don't worry about anything. And pray about everything. Yes, prayer works. It doesn't have to be grand. Like you don't have to go buy a prayer journal and write stuff down in it. That would be good if you do, but you don't have to. You don't have to go order something online to wait for it. You just need at 10.30 p.m. at night to just say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, and I really don't know how to cope with this. Help me. Just start a very simple prayer. I, I usually tell people to start with the Lord's Prayer. If you type that in, in Google, it's going to pop up, and you can read it. Just start right there. Until after a while, you get so used to it that you find that you start unburdening yourself. I'm not calling you to proselytize and go get other people. I am just saying these are ways to cope. Because these dreams are going to continue the more we feel out of control. Especially as the states reopen. And most of us are feeling as if, I don't think we're ready yet. I don't think it's ready yet. Yet they're forcing us to do it. So a lot of us are having some withdrawal issues from that. And I'm saying here are some things to cope. And If you feel so overwhelmed, there are a lot of people who are so worried now that they're contemplating suicide. A lot of people, based on the dreams they're having, based on their economic forecast, where they are, everyone is not financially comfortable. Everyone is not retired and getting a pension or getting Social Security. Everyone is not getting that. So most people are just really sitting back and are very worried. And some people are even thinking, if I hurt myself, then I can get out of it. We just saw yesterday that a doctor who was on the front lines in New York City went to Virginia and took her own life, right? And her father said she didn't have a history of depression. She probably just felt overwhelmed. If that happens, the National Suicide Hotline is available. Please call. Don't hesitate. Just, you just need to talk to someone. This is why I say keep in touch with people. Talk to someone. It helps. It helps to vent. It helps to get the stuff out. And it helps. Practice exercise because exercise releases endorphins that make you happy. 
right? Uh, New York City is opening some parts, some streets, so that people can feel as if they can go walking, right? Because walking releases is exercising and it releases endorphins. That keeps you calm. You need to get it out. Because some of us live in apartment towers and you can't exercise and jump up. But you can walk up and down the stairs, put your mask and your gloves on, and go walk up and down the steps. Right? Just bring a can of Lysol with you <laughs> so you can spray it out before you go down. <laughs> right? But, it, and I know it's very difficult for us. We, we literally have to govern our minds and govern ourselves. We literally have to feel like I have to take control over whatever thoughts are going through. Corral your thoughts. Don't watch the news or reruns of the news before you go to bed. I don't watch CNN and Fox and MSNBC at night. I don't do that. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that to myself. But what I am going to do, I'm going to eat a piece of brownie, drink some chocolate, if I feel like it's really getting to me, and then I'm going to go to bed. And one of the things that I do, you're not going to believe it, is I listen to religious music. I listen to gospel music before I fall asleep. I kid you not. I, you know I like my Christian rock, right? You know you know that. I like contemporary Christian music. Oh, my gosh. I have a whole channel. I listen to music before I go to bed. I even put it on YouTube sometimes. I kid you not. Before I fall asleep, I just watch music videos of Christian rock or gospel music, and it sends me to sleep. So I don't fall asleep with images of people wearing masks and so on that is further going to make me hyperventilate. We're all going through this all at the same time. I I do believe. And don't listen to end-time ministries. Thank you. You know these people who are preaching doom and gloom all day, and this is the time when God is exacting vengeance? Hello. Hi. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Leave the vengeance up to God. He'll die. It's been my experience that God will take care of it all. And when I say he knows how to do it, you best believe. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Because all they're doing is profiting off your distress. Then they tell you to send in some money. And they're going to send you some oil or something that will make you feel better. They're snake oil salesmen. Don't listen to them. That's not the gospel. And they're being found out right now. You don't need that. Listen to some Christian music, whether it's uh, contemporary Christian music or Christian rock or whatever it is that soothes you. Listen to it before you go to sleep. And it will help you to reduce these kinds of traumatic dreams. Position yourself well. I like to do a little yoga stretches before I go to bed because it releases endorphins that make me relax. You see what I mean? So I like to stretch a little bit because it helps me to, it releases those happy endorphins that make me feel like, you know, make me feel relieved so that I can fall asleep better. And you all wonder, somebody asked me a few weeks ago, rather facetiously, who keeps me warm at night? And I'm like, seriously, we still talk about stuff like that? In this day and age, right? People do live alone and cope and live happily. Right? We just find ways to cope with the stuff of life. Right? Get together with family. That's very important. Talk to people. Pick up the phone and talk to people. Don't just text. Call someone. And call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's a lifeline. Call that number and make sure you talk to someone if you feel like, even if you just feel like you're being overwhelmed. It doesn't have to be fatalistic. It could just be that you're feeling overwhelmed, right? Call them and talk to them. I just want to say that I myself don't know the outcome. I don't know how for sure how it's all going to end, but I pray that it ends well for all of us. And by well, I mean depending on our circumstances. I pray that there is a concerted effort that comes that people's lives matter more than money and that people in leadership positions understand that and make decisions based on that. And if it doesn't work that way, then I'm still going to pray that we are saved, 
somehow from making fatalistic decisions. All I can say is do what you need to do to keep you and your family safe and healthy. And watch something else at night before you go to bed. Focus on something else. Even if it's just watching a rom-com, you know, like a romantic comedy or something like that, that eases it. And then just before you fall asleep, you put the TV on sleep. And if you are, you know, if you're married, you guys need to cuddle a lot more. If you have a partner, you need to cuddle a lot more. That too helps. Rubbing someone's shoulders, hugging someone, feeling loved, do that too. Stop the fighting about the bills. The bills are not, it's not your spouse who is the enemy. It's the system. It's the bills. So identify your enemy. It's not, it's not you I'm mad with. I'm mad at the situation. See what I mean? And that makes them feel better right away. It's not you, baby. I'm mad at the situation. That's fine. And then the, the, well, let's find a way to work it out. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay? I love you all. Take care of yourself. It really is important for us to stay mentally healthy and focused during this time. Our mental health is always important, but now more than ever, our mental health is tremendously more important as it is the building block, one of the building blocks and cornerstones of our immune system. My name is Harriet Kimmett. Thank you so much for joining me on this Tuesday, the 28th day of April, 2020. Thank you so much, everybody. Go to the website at harrietkimmett.com as well as listen to my previous podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever your favorite podcast platform is. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a terrific Tuesday. Be blessed, everybody. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-